Welcome to the mindfulness at IBM podcast. Um, Lele here. Ciao. Hello, Lele. Patrick here. Hi, Patrick. So, Pat, um, I, I, I'm very happy all the time to do uh, a podcast, right? I think we I, we went to a, a incredible number of episodes since the beginning, right? So, this is going to be episode 28. Wow. So that's excellent. Um, so 28, I mean, the number in itself tells you, um, the amount of, uh, of voices, of stories, of practices, mm. uh, of information, right? That, uh, are always there, right? A podcast is forever, right? Any episode is worth, except for the news, but you can skip the first five minutes. But after that, the stories are eternal, right? It's just, it's always the same story, right? Even if I tell you my mindful story in, 10 years is going to be exactly the same as now, right? We're still going back, right? Maybe I have more information. That's why it's nice to have a guest more time, but whatever. Uh, so uh, today we have also an interesting guest, somebody from uh, from the US in an IBMer, uh, and we are going to get to her uh, after the news, right? Mm -hmm. So let's start with some of the news. So the first news, I think, is... Um, okay, we, we know that there is, a, or at least I guess after five years, uh, all the people in the mindfulness community can expect a summit mm -hmm. to happen at least once a year, right? The summit is the best occasion for uh, people of the community to just group, right, and be together for one week, but particularly is, is creating a momentum for everybody that is not yet into mindfulness to to have a, a taste of it, right? What is it? What are the best players in the area, who are the, you know, executives that are supporting it, um, who are, what are the practices and how to do it, right, what it, what it means, mindfulness, and all of the, all of this. So we're going to do it during the Mental Health Month in October, it's the third week of October, I think between the 18th and the 22nd, so save the date, and I want also to encourage all the IBMers, um, and folks as well in Kindrill, right, that uh, there are, um, we will put some links in the podcast, you can enroll to the event, right, uh, for the moment, uh, so that the event is not, uh, you can, let's say, not much an enroll, but it, the, the right word is subscribe, so if you subscribe to it, uh, there is not the, nothing yet, or a few events are there, but we are actually, you know, finalizing the guests, getting confirmation, understanding the calendar, and so on. Uh, so the more uh, the more we go uh, the closer to the to the summit, the more you will see events appearing, right? And if you're subscribed, you're gonna get automatically notified about that event happening. That is actually a good thing to do. So you can already subscribe, and um, and start looking at uh, what what is going to be, you know, uh, showed uh, in the summit, right? And more information are coming soon. Uh, what else, Pat? I think, it, you know, the, for a lot of IBMers right now, um, this the Kindrel spinoff is, is a big, big deal. So we'll also mm -hmm. share in the links the Slack channels that we've set up for the, the mindfulness community in Kindrel. And... We also wanted to share news about the train the trainers. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So uh, the, the the point is that we, uh, we we already spoke about it during the the podcast. We had a pilot um, some months ago, right in uh, in the late spring, and uh, the pilot gave us the opportunity to have um, a badge, right? That is the mindfulness community badge. 
uh, and to get a badge like that is not only uh, knowledge of mindfulness required, right? But but the opportunity to know how to practice, but also to to meet the members of the community. That's how you are a community member, right? You need to meet everybody that is part of the community. So there is a, an experience, right, that is uh, starting, uh, and we would like to have it started. Uh, maybe at one point in October or November this year, right? And before starting the experience, we need some trainers, right? Because there there might be a lot of people that are interested, like you or listeners there. Maybe you are just, you know, a student in mindfulness or just a beginner. You would like to know more. You would like to be part and get the badge. Uh, so this is a call to action, not, uh, not for the beginners, but mostly for who is already a practice leader, who is already experiences in mindfulness. Uh, and knows how to lead and would like to lead the workshop in the different cohorts, right? So we are organizing a train-the-trainer uh, uh, session. There is uh, two sessions, actually, uh, the same, but in two different days, so that, you know, to allow everybody to join. We're not going to record it. We're just going to be, like, live to with the people that are going to be there. So if you can be there, please enroll to the options, um, uh, at least one of those, right? So that uh, we see if, uh, and you will see actually if you would like to move forward and help us in uh, creating and crafting the experience for other uh, lovely, mindful uh, colleagues, right? Said that? Yeah, I think that's it. Um, thank you for listening to the news. And I think it's time for, for our guest speaker and the... Uh, the conversation we're going to have and the practice she will lead you in. Um, so we are part of the, here is uh, as part of the uh, usual podcast, right? There is always a guest, right? And today... Um, Except we those traveled. two times. Except those two times, Lele, when we had what summer break. <laughs> I said those two times, yes, actually, yes. We, we had a moment without the guest, actually, yes. But, but, you know, generally, you know, the, the importance of, of our podcast is really to connect with the various people, right? And particularly if we're talking about IBMers and uh, people that are part of the community, that are living in the community, organizing events, uh, that's important because you can see different points of view, right? And today we travel to the uh, US uh, and we meet Katie. Uh, Katie Gold that is here with us and she is actually doing a lot of cool stuff in uh, in her area, right? So that's what we don't like to learn and also about, you know, perhaps the mindfulness journey, right? So welcome, Katie. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So I have to just say that it's uh, it's 9 a.m. in uh, on the East Coast in America. Mm -hmm. So it's slightly different, but I'm trying to get adjusted to... Uh, the earlier time since I'm actually moving to uh, to Denver, Colorado in a week. So mm -hmm. then they will be shifted. So one of the things that I've been really working on is having slower but earlier mornings. So like taking my time getting out of bed, but waking up 30 minutes earlier to take the time getting out of bed. Mm -hmm. So get into new habits. Oh, yeah. Yes, but but actually, one I I remember once uh, we had um, a guest right that uh, was exactly telling us this that you know if you wake up for a mindfulness practice right the 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 meditation itself is already energizing and refreshing right so perhaps it's not we cannot equalize it to sleep because of course here we we are not scientists to, to really talk about it but uh, but the, the the subjective experience is such that you you don't get more tired like after the practice but perhaps equally in many situations right and that's actually also my personal experience right i wake up 
much earlier, uh, but I'm, I'm not really tired. Maybe I'm tired actually in the right moment when I wake up, but right after the practice, I'm not tired anymore, right? So, uh, and of course, this might change per person per person. I'm not saying that. So, so how is your uh, experience with, with mindfulness, Katie? What, uh, how did you discover it? When did you start? Oh, goodness. When I started, uh, I actually think I started when I was about five or six in uh, these little yoga classes I used to do with my mom. And at the end of every yoga class, we did Shavasana. And they would, you know, tell us to just clear your mind and just focus on your breath. Um, and then I would say about five years later, when I was getting into more rigorous yoga, probably about, you know, 15 years old, someone said, said, you know, you, you seem like a very mindful person. And I was like, I don't know what that word is. <laughs> um, and through that, I kind of realized that I'm meditating almost every day, because I have that, you know, point in yoga where you sit with yourself and you clear your mind. And in a sense that that was, you know, that was meditation and mindfulness. It just I wasn't labeling it as that. And I think that's, you know, actually what happens with a lot of people is, is they go through these um, activities and they quiet their mind and they focus on whatever they are doing and they stay present and they don't realize that that's an informal act of um, meditation and mindfulness. So I started pretty young and then um, when I was at, at college, I went to Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia and they have a, I think actually the largest Tibetan program there. So they work with a lot in Tibetan monks um, that travel to America to learn uh, like Western culture and um, Western medicine. So I was actually um, preparing to go to med school and I was studying human health and human biology. Um, and I found a, a unique opportunity to learn about both Western medicine and Eastern medicine. So I actually started taking a lot of Tibetan classes and learning about um, Eastern medicine. And through, through that, I was able to actually minor in uh, Tibetan studies. And then um, we just so happened that every two years at Emory University, uh, the Dalai Lama comes and visits and does a presentation. And he came to our class. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't actually speak English. So we had a translator come, but it was, it was very impactful. Um, and then we ended up meditating with him. And that was, I think, the turning point for me where I was like, this has to stay in my life. This has to be something that is a constant. If my job changes, if my you know, location or um, anything else you know, changes in my life, I need to have this kind of touch point. They actually call it um, a touching tree. So when you're lost in the woods, people say um, to have a point of reference. So you have um, like a tree that you can always identify and know that that's the tree you come back to at the end of the day. So you don't get um, paranoid that you're getting lost deeper and deeper in the woods. So that's kind of how I feel about meditation. That's my touch tree. At the end of the day, when I feel like my life is super chaotic, I go back to my meditation practice and I return. So I return to, you know, that, that sacred place that I know um, that I can always go to in any kind of situation. The touching tree. I like that. <laughs> um, so we're talking about uh, habits and waking up in the morning and starting out more slowly. And you just mentioned your 
your meditation practice in, in the evenings, I'm assuming. How, how are you integrating those, those two, sort of the informal practice and the, and the formal practice in, in your day? So right now, um, I'm trying to shift to a more informal practice. Um, so my daily routine is, you know, wake up um, and I do a quick five-minute meditation. I work out and then I go and um, I take my dog on a walk and then I come back, make coffee and then start my day at work. And that usually all happens before 8 a.m. Um, but I'm trying to shift that to actually wake up a little earlier. And instead of doing a quick meditation, just sitting with myself, no guided meditations, maybe just focusing on stretching um, or maybe like just drinking water and focusing on the present moment and then slowly getting up, slowly stretching and relaxing and gently going into um, a workout instead of, you know, hopping up and going. Um, and then in, in the same way, I'm also trying to just focus in every meeting. So I find that, you know, as most people, when you have meetings back to back all day, you tend to zoom out and you tend to be like, oh, shoot, I just I missed the last 10 minutes of that meeting. And I totally, you know, blanked on what they were talking about. And, and that's where I find the informal meditations are so crucial. It's staying present, whether it's, you know, making sure that you have no distractions around you or you're taking notes or you're mentally taking notes, but making sure that in every scenario I'm in, I'm present. And, and that's a huge goal of mine. And it, it's definitely a tough goal because sometimes even in driving, I find that I'm on autopilot and I drive to the wrong location. And I was like, why did I just do this? Because it's, it's my autopilot to drive. Hmm. The autopilot. I mean, that, that's normal, right? To get in the, the default mode, right? And get there and uh, all the everything just happens, right? Without thinking. Uh, but but uh, the, the hard part is there, you know, to always to, to come back right to the present. So what are your perhaps favorite cues or anchors to the present? I will say um, one of the greatest tips I got and feedback I got from a, a manager of mine was she said, you got caught speeding. So that means, you know, sometimes you're so focused on the path in front of you that you don't realize that your surroundings and that you're just, you know, full force um, speed ahead. So for me, that triggers something deeper to slow down and to look around and to say, okay, why am I speeding? And to ask myself, you know, like, why do I feel the need to rush into every scenario or check things off the checklist very quickly? Often the, um, the words of, of mindfulness and meditation are used interchangeably. Um, I was, you know, you, you can find meditation in all sorts of literature as well. I was uh, exploring a, a book called The Book of Shadows recently. And it's about witchcraft and wizardry and spells. And there's lots and lots of mention of meditation in, in that book as well. So you, you minored in the Tibetan studies, you have a meditation practice. Can you tell us a little bit more of what meditation is for you and maybe what's the difference or similarities with, with mindfulness? 
Sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Patrick. I think a lot of the times it's interchangeable, um, especially because there is that informal meditation, which is very similar to being a mindful person and being mindful with your actions. Um, I've been trying to change it up a little bit. So through the pandemic, I became really invested in Reiki, um, which I had previously gotten a level one certification for. So now I'm a level two. And I've been diving into that because I find that that's a very healing, immediate um, meditation, immediate practice. You know, I, I immediately feel my body relaxing. I feel the unblocking of um, stuck energy through me. But I also find that when there's certain situations that come up, I have certain situations and certain tools and meditations that I go to. So for example, I find that, you know, if there's a very tense, frustrating situation in my life that is either continuously happening or it's just one um, central event, I use a very similar um, way of meditating, which is called like the letting go. So it's a type of meditation that you can, you know, either use guided or just on your own. And it's all about just releasing whatever kind of tension and um, like stuck energy um, is in your body. And it, it's really great for me because I find that I hold a lot of my anxiety physically. So I, I hold it in my shoulders, I hold it in my lower back. I find that when I'm meditating, I, I realize that my hands are clenched the whole time. I'm like, why am I so stressed? Um, but I, I use that one a lot. And, um, and then I, I can kind of go deeper if I need to. So for example, when I, I have a situation or this, you know, feeling that I keep having, and I don't understand where it's coming from. Um, I use a different type of meditation called the inner child meditation, which really dives into um, pulling your inner child or your ego. Some people say it's your shadow, pulling it out of you and imagining, you know, face to face, either with this, you know, five-year-old version of yourself um, and having a conversation like, why are you so upset? And seeing how vulnerable this five-year-old, I mean, for me, this five-year-old girl is and how, you know, scared she is and why she's scared and walking through it with her and, and seeing yourself in such a vulnerable um, place gives empathy to yourself and allows for you to automatically have self-compassion and self-love, which I find a lot of people, especially in America, are lacking. Um, and when I, I sit there and I focus on that, um, obviously, you know, it, it takes a lot of mental strength to continue to have a conversation with an imaginary version of yourself. Um, but it forces me to get out of my head and to get out of whatever issue I have and just look at this poor little girl and say like, whatever's going on, it's not that big of a deal because clearly she's hurting. And like, that's my priority is to nurture this younger self. And in that way, it gives me time to, to nurture myself and give me self care in, in an indirect way. Cause I find that, um, especially with women, it's hard to take to fully love ourselves. I mean, I can't tell me how many times I've questioned either my appearance or my work ethic or whatever it may be because of outside 
um, sources. Um, especially now, you know, where you have a lot of Gen Z um, people coming in who have uh, issues with social media, you know, there's so many influences that we didn't have when we were kids. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have social media until I was in high school. And by then, I had already dealt with the in person bullying. And then you have a whole nother level of um, cyberbullying, which, you know, our parents didn't grow up with our parents have no idea how to handle this. And so you're in a situation where as a 13 year old, you know, these 13 year old girls have to have really strong self compassion to get through, you know, middle school and high school and, and get through these, um, these really stressful times on girls and boys and, and whoever is developing as a, as a person physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, so that's why I'm trying to do my best to mm. uh, educate myself so that, you know, for my future kids, but also for whoever's around, they're, they're able to use the same tools to have more like self-compassion. Yeah, I think we should do an entire uh, set of practices like uh, mindfulness for social media. Right? That would be useful a lot. I, I always wonder, like, why, because generally what, what you said, like, you know, there is always a social pressure, particularly if you, uh, you know, generally as humans, we see the pressure, right? We always try to look ourselves into the mirror, as you said, and then compare with the other social media is many mirrors and everything looks always beautiful and perfect and amazing, right? So uh, everybody has always all the time, much more time than you. Everybody's much more fit than you and everybody's having much more fun than what you have, right? But that's the point, right? Um, I, I always think like, why do we always uh, observe the reaction as uh, like, you know, thinking like why they have more instead of being happy for those people, right? So at the end, it's the same thing. You can like look at something and say, okay, gosh, he has his feet. He's waking up at five, running three hours, then coming to, to work and, uh, and then also doing meditation. And then he has 50 kids and so on. Or, or you should be like, I, I'm very happy for this dude that he's managing to do all of these things and still has time to talk to me, right? At the end of the day, right? Uh, so I think how, how can we shift towards a more, uh, perhaps altruistic, uh, social media con consumation. So, so what you're talking about is it, it's a it's a interesting uh, balance between uh, jealousy and envy. So, jealousy yeah. is is that person like I'm threatened by that person taking away something from me, and then um, envy is I want what they have and I don't have that. So, so it sounds like that that's really envy, which is not really talked about as much. I know jealousy is, you know, definitely, it's, you know, it's one of the, you know, seven deadly sins or whatever, but it, it, it's not, it's, it's, I think it's more to that. So the way I see it is you look at two people and if one person is full, you know, full of love, full of compassion, full of empathy, they don't have room to take or any or to yeah take from someone else but they have room to give and they can give stuff and still be fairly full and then if you have another person who is lacking in empathy and is lacking in self-love they need to get things from other people to feel full so you have someone who doesn't love themselves so they rely on other people 
to get that love. And that's where social media really comes in. You know, maybe to feel full, they need over a thousand likes on their Instagram, or they need, um, you know, 600 followers. I don't know. You know, it, it could be whatever that is for that person, but that person needs to realize then, you know, getting these outside sources is only a temporary fulfillment and it's never really going to fulfill you as a person. And that's where I learned it. I mean, I definitely learned it as a, a kid growing up, but I also learned it as an adult that you can't depend on someone else to give you happiness. Um, you know, it, it can't be a partner. I mean, sure, there there's great benefits of relationships and there's great benefits of friendships. But at the end of the day, you're, you're living your life with you. You're from, you know, birth to death. Your relationship is the most important one. And I think that's something that really isn't as um, valued. And I, I see it as, you know, people will come and go in your life, but you are the only constant person in your life. So why won't you treat yourself with utmost dignity, with the utmost love and um, support yourself self through hard times? I mean, there are countless times, especially in my like career, um, starting in my career where I was the hardest on myself. I'm, you know, I, you, the people say you're your own worst critic. Why would you be your own worst critic when you have only you to support? You know, you got to love yourself and and support yourself in the most positive way to grow. You know, if, if, if your inner voice keeps saying, you know, why did you do that, Katie? Or I'm really disappointed in that, or you could have done better. You're not going to want to feel comfortable in your own skin. If your skin's telling you all these negative things. Guess we got to, you know, like our, ourselves more, more thumbs up, more positive comments, more follows of the self. <laughs> but, but I think it's you know it's it's important to be just more aware of how often we're paying attention to the number of likes the number of comments how often are we checking you know when is the date of this there's all these vanity me metrics on on social media seeing how we react to that even you could change the settings to not see the what the algorithm suggests but what happens in real time so you could really connect with people when they're when they're posting stuff but speaking of kind of little tricks or practices to become more mindful katie what would you recommend for for the listeners for the community to to practice uh this week or maybe lead us in, in something as well so one thing i challenge everyone is to every day look in the mirror and say i love you which is uncomfortable for a lot of people a lot of people can't look at their own self-reflection and say you know i'm okay with what i see not only am i okay with it but i love it and and that goes beyond just you know faking it you have to really like see it smile and say like this is who I am and I'm accepting it and I'm more than accepting it. I'm, I'm loving it and I'm going to thrive with it because this is my one body. This is one, my one self that I have for the rest of my life. Um, and I find that it's actually interesting. I think there's a study that's going on right now um, that's talking about how quarantine has made people super self-aware of their appearance because they're on camera and they're seeing their reflection constantly. 
So I know, you know, plastic surgeries have gone up a ton. Um, there, so many people are trying to focus on weight loss and, um, maybe they're more in tune with getting their, you know, makeup done or maybe they're changing their hair. And, and for me, it just was, above it was actually, the shoulder, right? Just the, yeah. this part. Right? No one cares about what you wear. Yes. You're being, you know, pajamas. But, um, for me, it was like, this is my time to like really see myself, you know, without makeup. I haven't worn makeup. Oh gosh. I don't remember the last time I've worn makeup. Um, although I am going to a wedding tomorrow, so I'll probably wear makeup to that. But, um, I find that I, it's easier for me to connect when we're both raw. So, you know, I'm seeing someone in a t-shirt or I'm seeing their kids in the background. I was on a, a meeting yesterday and someone's kid walked in and he was like, Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I would never have this opportunity to see like you in your home otherwise. And this is a great way for a personal connection. Um, and I find that that's, that's really lacking these days because we can't physically really be with a lot of people. Sure. You have your intimate community. Um, but as, as things are kind of ramping back up with COVID, now is the time to to have those connections in other ways. So instead of um, instead of seeing people, you know, at uh, your local pub or mm -hmm. at uh, a restaurant, you know, maybe it's taking a walk with a friend and having those intimate conversations, or it's the better opportunity to then have those conversations and focus on yourself. So one of the things uh, that I'm also working on for you know self love and self compassion is um, actually a self-love meditation where you walk through your entire body from crown to um, the soles of your feet mm -hmm. and you say, you know, thank you. Thank you, you know, the crown of my head and my mind for um, keeping me, you know, strong and keeping me um, able to work and, you know, to my eyes thank you for letting me see the world and going through each part of your body and thanking it for different reasons um and and it kind of does it in a way that completely disconnects you to your surroundings you know you don't realize you know the little things that your thumb will do for you you know thank you for helping me write my messages on social media but it's also like thank you for helping me grab cups you can't grab a cup without your thumb or thank you for uh, my arms for holding up packages and groceries when I carry them up my stairs or thank you to my knees to supporting my weight and there's every little piece that you never realize that you have to like dive into and just be more comfortable with your body and this is a way to to have gratitude towards your body and yourself oh yeah except for the little toe uh, that doesn't matter. <laughs> it does nothing. But the, it does all the rest in yoga. our body. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> something, yes. 
<laughs> no, uh, I, I, one question maybe, because it's a very interesting practice. So uh, like every day, just to summarize, every day just go in front of the mirror and say, you know, I love you and perhaps pay attention to the parts of your body and be grateful for what you have, right? But the question here is how to not derail into vanity, right? Because we always have this idea in many, also cartoons for kids, right? With the uh, the, the the one with the mirror in the on, always on his hand saying like, I'm beautiful and nice and so on, right? But this is the one that is has too much vanity, right? That is not considered a positive thing, right? So how instead giving it a, a, a real I love you uh, to ourselves without getting out uh, in something else, right? Yeah. I don't know if you're referring to Snow White where it's like, who's the fairest one of all? And she's looking in the mirror. Um, but it's, it's actually a great question. Um, I think there's a, there's a difference between saying it in like, a, Ooh, I look good today versus like a compassionate way of like smiling and say, I love you. I like, and fully say that, you know, it, I think, loving yourself and thinking you look good are very different. I know a ton of people who look fantastic and don't love themselves. And they know they look fantastic and they have no self empathy though. So it's not saying you look good today. It's saying I love you for who you are. And from head to toe from inside out, every atom of your body is I accept it. And I think that's, and it, maybe it's saying instead of, you know, I love you, but like, I love, I love you. And I love you, you know, from birth to death. I love you with all of your imperfections, maybe even calling them out. Like I love that pimple on my forehead or I love that I have cellulite or I love that, you know, my, you know, for maybe someone who had just given birth that my body was able to give birth and now it's slowly returning, but it, it's a slow process. You know, it's, it's loving the imperfections as well as the, the things you already like. Yes. And then I know for, for some people, it may be a very difficult practice, uh, you know, to just start out with, with love and, and being so kind, especially if we've gone through a lot of you know trauma and, and difficulties in, in our lives. Uh, but maybe going back to the social media, starting out with uh, with a thumbs up, you know, I'm I'm alive today, or appreciating what is, you know, being gratitude, like Katie, like you were talking about for my my knee, and and I think with with that awareness that you bring to this practice of hey, you know, what's going on in my head, just thinking about what Katie, Patrick, and Lily are talking about, like how am I judging this practice? How am I reacting to? you know, saying, I love you to myself and taking that opportunity to learn, you know, how judgmental I am, how do I react and, and just slowly, you know, working, working your way up and using this as a great practice to, to pay attention and be aware of everything associated with the simple and powerful words of saying, I love you. Nice. Yeah. And to add to that, um, for social media, I encourage anyone who's listening to, uh, Take a step back and, and, and question why you follow some folks. You know, if, if you're following a bunch of influencers, are you following them because, you know, maybe they cook great food and you want to have some of their recipes? Or maybe, you know, they 
give you tips and tricks for working out and that's really helpful. Or maybe they are a meditation practitioner and they have live sessions on their Instagram. Or maybe they have a great body and you're trying to compare yourself to them. You know, I challenge people to really question that and question, you know, what benefit is this to me? You know, if this is a benefit where, I mean, I follow most of mine is, is food, <laughs> to be very honest. And I follow a lot of um, vegan folks because I'm trying to be more vegan and I'm trying to reduce my uh, meat intake. So I think that that's been super beneficial, but I also am, am cautious of, of, you know, how many celebrities I follow, if I follow any celebrities. Um, and when that does come up or whenever I feel like I'm either, you know, having envy or maybe jealousy or some kind of um, negative feeling about another person, I question it in, um, it's called the RAIN method. So um, Tara Broth, she's a, um, a meditation leader and she's wonderful. And she mm -hmm. actually um, has this great method called RAIN and it stands for recognize, allow, investigate, and um, nourish. Um, and that has been crucial to me, and it's, it's a quick exercise, so maybe I'm frustrated about something, or maybe something came up and I'm, I'm really anxious. So I recognize that I have anxiety around this issue. I allow this anxiety to sit with me for a moment or two, and I investigate it. Like, why, why am I anxious about this in the first place? And then once I get to the root cause, I say, it's okay. And I allow myself empathy around it. And I, 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 I accept that, it, you know, whatever is going on is okay. And that I'll move past it. And then for some reason, I get to the R and my, I mean, I get to the N and the whole body just relaxes and I'm like okay this is not a big deal let it rain let yeah. it rain let it rain so thank you Katie for for sharing uh, your story and also so many nice practices I encourage everyone to give it a try um, thank you for listening because I think it's important that you are here sharing the podcast, listening to the podcast and perhaps suggesting new guests, uh, uh, news, whatever you want. This is the, our podcast for our community, for all uh, mindful IBMers, right? So uh, glad you're here listening to us. Uh, hopefully you will come again, Katie, to tell us about the many more initiatives. Uh, good luck for your resettling in uh, another area of, of the world. Um, and uh, have a Thank lovely you. rest of the day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.